Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Let's talk about succession planning and let's, let's roll back to beginnings and let's talk about experiences and then the fears, the joys, the excitement of running a business. And then Andy will help us to see which pillars we must put in place to ensure that the business will be there 100 years from now, stronger than what, what Kate has built with all her effort, with her team, hardworking team, and with all her passionate um, um, stakeholders. So let me start with you, Kate, and, 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 and roll back, let's say, 30 years to thereabouts to the beginnings of your business. Did you ever think you would come this far? It's always interesting to know that every business, per se, you have to go through the experience of sharing. I wasn't actually, when we started, I wasn't thinking of this far, but somewhere along the line, you see the passion, having the passion of what you are doing, and also in terms of business. It's like there's so much opportunity around us, and we have to capitalize on it. Some of us started from a very small beginning, from a very small beginning, I would say that one of my passion comes along with the art of negatives always come positive. There is always something good in you. Right. So let me let me let me just come in a bit to um, to the beginning stages of business. And very often people say, "Oh, you're lucky." Maybe when when you become a big CEO, people look at the size of your factory. I mean, I was there the last time. I was just so impressed with not just what you have done, but even the model of what you are trying to do in the future. And somebody says, wow, you are blessed. You are fortunate. And, and you say, I, I wish you knew the, beginning. the, the beginnings. <laughs> so for the benefit of our listeners, just give us a preview of, of the beginning, the uncertainty, just so that people know that it's also part of that process. Somebody who's struggling in those beginnings will know that God hasn't forsaken them. No. Right. It's always interesting because I said that out of negatives come positive. We, I started from a very humble beginning when some years back the doctors actually went on strike. And at the time, that was around 81 thereabouts. The doctors went on strike and it came that my husband had asked, oh, so where are we going? They said, well, we have to go and live with my mother-in-law. I said, my goodness, mother-in-law? Okay. So that's, and I said to myself, this is where next time we don't have to live with my mother-in-law. Let's go and find our own place. So we started from that beginning. And guess what? After the wiring, a gentleman who was a caretaker, actually took off all the wiring that we did. So I said to myself, my goodness, we are not going to buy any recycling. We have to just import them. Supposedly, this gentleman left the wires in there. We, should, we wouldn't have even gone in to say that we want to start. So somebody stole the wiring of your building and you decided to go into the supplies of wiring. Well, can you imagine? Right. So that comes in negative. Out of negative comes positive. Right. So that's how come you went into wiring. Okay. Are you from a family of, of entrepreneurs? Do you have a I would say a that inter- background? Yes, entrepreneurship is actually born with. It's what is in you. And it also builds up your character. 
it comes in that you want the perfection. We all have attributes. There is something that is embedded in us. And some of us, we started from a very tiny age. I mean, I started at the age of nine. Tell me about, about Kate at nine doing business. Can you, can you imagine Kate at nine doing business? Where on holidays we went back home. I'm actually from the Eastern region from Asio. And I went to the farm with my uncle. And in the farm, I realized that, oh, I asked uncle, uncle, what are these? They said, well, these are avocado pears. I said, avocado pears, well, in Accra, we buy them. And here they said, oh, Ope. I'm saying, what for? I said, okay, Ope, I forgot. I'm going to in in two days. And that day, come and see my effort. At age nine. At age nine. I said, this, I'm going to collect all this to send back to Accra because this is where people are buying avocado. But here we are, the avocado is all over. So indeed, which I did, I brought the avocado to Accra. And out of that, I sold some. And then some of them got really bad because it was like I wasn't able to finish all at the time. So I said to myself, no, let me use the process to just get into something that is not going to be perishable. So you made profit? I made profit. At least <laughs> I made profit from there. And by so doing, I used some of the proceeds. I went and got myself a gallon of kerosene. So right from the beginning, I realized that the nation of doing business is actually there. So entrepreneurship is actually born with. Right. Let me come to let me come to um, let me come to Andy and Andy. Interestingly, you talk to entrepreneurs and they talk about the spirit of adventure. They talk about stepping out to do something that they just have some passion for. And very often at the beginnings of the life of an entrepreneur, you see a very high risk profile. You see charisma. You see intuition, making decisions that you can. You see, I can't even explain, but I just knew how to do it. And many entrepreneurs have that very adventurous approach to life. But some some practitioners or some theorists suggest that that can keep you in the beginnings where you can actually sell avocado and make a mistake and, and you will still survive. But when you now begin to run a factory with, with hundreds of workers, you need to move beyond that adventurism and put in place systems. Help us to understand that transition process. Okay, thank you again. Um, you know, running enterprises comes with some formality because the moment you begin to um, generate business and have customers and stakeholders, um, mind you, you come under some regulation. Um, the government where your business is takes an interest in you because you must be paying tax. It takes an interest in you because the people that you are uh, who are working for you must be fairly compensated. And so on, all of a sudden, you realize that you cannot be so informal. And that is where the systems and structures begin to roll in because it becomes very important to begin to put in place what we call governance systems uh, to ensure that uh, you manage risks to your business and also you don't fall foul of the law. Right. Yeah. So for, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, I mean, when you mention things like systems, structures, some of these words can be very intimidating. I mean, just... <laughs> For the benefit of somebody listening tonight, what are systems and what are structures and why are they important for our business? I mean, just 
some definitions that our listeners can work with. Okay. So, um, when we talk of systems and structures, um, it's more or less the combination of people, policies, procedures, processes, including internal controls, as well as some uh, formality to the way people work with each other. And all put together is what is known as corporate governance. And, and so those systems and structures are very, very important to ensure that there is some rules around which um, people interact with each other, not only with their internal stakeholders in the organization, but also external stakeholders. Uh, it also becomes important to make sure that um, beyond the people who might be running the business of the day, uh, once you have those systems and structures, when you are no more there or you take your leave, the business can carry on because um, when it comes to uh, sustaining and ensuring that business goes on in the absence of the day-to-day uh, worker, you must put in place those systems to ensure that others can come in and take off from where you live, whether it's temporarily or permanently. Right. So for the benefit of the person listening out there saying, listen, if I had heard this 10 years ago and I've done things differently, I'm in a mess. Listen, Andy, it's just bad. If somebody's listening to you tonight and saying that I, I, I have a great idea, I have a great product, I started, I started well, but along the line, I've made several mistakes. I want to build systems. I want to build structures to ensure that my business can run when I'm not there, like you rightly are saying. Mm. And also that if I eventually even exit, this business can continue without me. Mm. Just for the benefit of that person running the business who says everything is in shambles, where do they start from? What, what are the building blocks mm. for putting in place the systems that you talk about? Thank you for that question. Um, you know, in KPMG, for example, we always, we always advocate what, what is known as the three lines of defense model for good organizational management. And so we are talking about uh, the board, we are talking about management, and then we're also talking about those assurance systems that would ensure that you know corporate objectives are kept in check. And so we mentioned things like risk management processes, we talk about compliance management systems, we talk about internal audit and internal controls. So these in essence constitute uh, what are known as the three lines of defense model. And the way to really go about it is practically to ensure that, first of all, the organization is very much clear as to what it wants to achieve, both for its internal and external stakeholders, and therefore make sure that it has a capable uh, management team that will design, uh, you know, systems of governance and ensure that these things work um, and implement them. Then you are also going to need directors. You know, directors with sufficient knowledge and uh, experiences who can help you drive the business towards its uh, corporate objectives. And so this, these are some of the building blocks to m- making sure that there is effective systems and structures in place for the business to run. 23 minutes past the hour of 7. If you just joined us, this is Springboard. We call it your virtual university because every single Sunday evening you can actually matriculate and for the next hour spend time in lecture hall and then graduate at 8 o'clock and then you come back again next week and we start again. And I'm learning something tonight about the three lines of defense 
And Andy is telling us that you need to have very clear objectives about where the business is trying to go, without which all the systems you're talking about are useless. So first of all, know where you are going. And then beyond knowing where you are going, the three levels of defense he mentions are the board, the directors of the company. These must who know what they're about and can bring serious contributions to very critical areas of the business. He says there must be a strong management team in place to run the organization. And then thirdly and very importantly, there must be assurance systems like risk management systems, compliance systems, and internal audit processes to ensure that things are done the right way. But I speak to business leaders sometimes. And let, me, let me bring this to you, um, kids. Sometimes you find that... I heard somebody say, ah, where were you when I was founding this company? You, you, you've come and you're telling me about systems, you're telling me about controls, telling me about the number of push you sign a check, who should approve it. Listen, when were we 10 years ago going through the trenches? Where were you? Kate, why is it that sometimes founders of companies, and generally, I mean, owners of companies, fight some of these controls that are helping their companies to become stronger and to outlast them? I think it's quite interesting. I like the question. People have to actually work the system. And, of course, in terms of business, it's always difficult that people don't like change. I believe strongly that once you put the system in place, the system must work. And if you have the right people, they have to work the system. They have to make sure that the the governance that you've put in in place is working out. Because if you actually want to expand your business, you can't expand without having the governance in place. You cannot also having a system that you know that when you come in in the morning, you have to clock in. And you have to be there at a certain time. You have to clock out at a certain time. I think we just have to let the system work. But most of the times, it's always difficult because you're working with people. It's like, okay, well, they say you have to be there at 8. 8 o'clock, be there. Be- beyond timelines, I mean, Andy, one of the things that you find that is very interesting, I mean, let's take, let's take board, board deliberations. You, you, you move from a situation where you are the be-all, do-all. You sign the sole signature check to a situation where you submit a budget to a board. And you know you own a 100% share in the company. And the board, these people who you've experts that you have brought together to help you run your business, are critiquing your budget and placing a demand on you to make changes, cut out some parts. And you feel, listen, this is mine. Right. Why, why, why does the conflict, why, why so much conflict? And, and, and how, what's the way forward? Interesting question, Albert. Um, you know, in my, in my work, I get to deal with, you know, a number of CEOs and uh, principals of organizations. Mm-hmm. And as I speak to you, I'm, I'm really engaged with very two prominent uh, entrepreneurs, you know, running large organizations in this country. And this dilemma is always playing, you know, it's playing up, you know, because he will tell you, you know, I'm not structured, you know, I just have this vision, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a systems person, I just need to get things going, I just need to, um, if you like, uh, generate new designs, new products, and make sure that my customers are happy, make sure that I'm moving my products to the market and so on. And so they become very much bogged, you know, in, in, in uh, what, what one would describe as the day-to-day as well as the end, you know, of the whole game. 
But mind you, um, like I said, alongside all this, you must begin to think that one day you will no longer be able to do all these things. And that is why uh, you must begin to put in place this very important matter of succession planning. Mm -hmm. And part of putting in place, you know, the succession planning is making sure that you have systems and structures. And so you must necessarily begin to mold a particular formalized system understood by all stakeholders in the business so that you can take a break. I mean, you are not infallible as an entrepreneur or as, 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 an, as, as a founder of a business. I can understand that, you know, you might be tempted into the mode of thinking that, look, I started it all by myself and I got this going. Who, who is it to come and tell me what to do? But clearly, you recognize that at certain points in time, your business must cannot be the same business of yesterday. And so if you want your business to be able to move into the future on a faster growth trajectory, then you are going to need these other stakeholders called non-executive directors who also have you know, various experiences working in business and in the world to work with you to make sure that you realize your growth objectives. And that is the first line of defense. Absolutely. Right. So we're having this discussion. If you just joined us, my guests for tonight, Andrew Akutu is a partner at KPMG, helping us to understand systems and structures. I also have the benefit of having Kate Horty, the CEO of Rural Cables, helping us to understand the thinking of an entrepreneur. And as we all navigate our way into the subject of succession planning, we are building up to the Festival of Ideas next week, Thursday. Our objective tonight is to open up the subject to you from a different perspective so you understand how the entrepreneur thinks and why this is so important. And then also from the, from the perspective of the consultant, why they will insist that you do things in a particular way, even though it is uncomfortable and sometimes even annoying. And, and I'm sure that by the end of today, we will find convergence between the entrepreneur and the consultant. I just get to be the referee in between and navigate on this journey. But so far, we are learning about the three lines of defense. We are learning also about the fact that for every entrepreneur, there's something that is inside you, something on the inside that works on the outside. And you carry those attributes, and at a very young age, you begin to look out for opportunity. And as you express them more and more, you find that you can step out and begin to do even bigger things. But as we do all those bigger things, one of the questions that I've asked earlier, and which I want to come back to, is the style of the entrepreneur and the opportunity that it brings to the business at the earlier stage and the potential risk it brings to the business at the later stage. Let me start with you on that, Andy. Some people say entrepreneurs are their own worst enemies because they turn around and the same attributes that help build the business help kill the business. Two of us. In a sense, I will probably agree with that. But, you know, there is this uh, proverb, you know, in our local language, you know, the one who, if you like, charts the path, doesn't know that it is, you know, winding or crooked or whatever. And so you need someone to pick up after you. Okay. So clearly, um, any entrepreneur who wants to make sure that he, he or she even exceeds his or her own, his or her own dreams must you know, give way to having support from other executives in his or her business. 
um, because without that, you will get your fingers bent. And I know a few entrepreneurs who've gotten their fingers bent because they felt that they are know-it-all, you know, they are know-all and that they can do it all, only to hit the wall at some point and say, uh-huh, now I need to re- re- recalibrate or reset. Right. You know, but why do you want to go and hit the wall before you, you recalibrate? Right. And that is why you need to be careful and also take some of these management principles into consideration. 32 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. One thing is certain that every, almost every entrepreneur has had their fingers bent before at one point or another. Some get their fingers slightly bent. Some get their fingers totally roasted. But one thing is certain. If you don't learn from them, they will get bent again. And if you are not careful, you will not survive to tell the story or the business will not survive to tell the story. And that is exactly what we are trying to avoid by having a discussion about succession planning. And let's stay with this discussion because some um, experts say succession is not just about having somebody to take over from you when you are no more. It's about building strength at every level in the business. Kate, speak to that for me. I mean, do you think about the various aspects of the manufacturing, the HR, and how to build capacity at all the level? Is it something that engages you as a founder of a business? In fact, once you are the founder of the business, you start from the scratch. It's not easy. You are everything. And most of the times, because you cannot be there all the time, you have to rely on a team. And you have to start building up a good team where they can work as a team. And team building is actually the future. Because at the end of the day, you cannot be there all the time. And in businesses, if you want your business to really thrive, you have to just start by putting in structures, as he said. You simply cannot work all by yourself. I mean, for instance, every morning you have to move from one end to the other. One one moment or the other, you have to. You have a meeting here and there. You cannot be everywhere. So you need actually a team to work together with which I think that is, is necessary. It's a necessity. So running a factory with hundreds of, hundreds of factory hands, supervisors, and so on. How do you find the right people to head the various units? How do you find the right people? Do you look for, do you look for your children? Do you look for trusted assistants? How, where do you find people to, to play fact, the roles that you're it's, looking it's, at? It's always, it's always difficult finding the right people. But it gets to a point where you have to actually insist on the system that you have. The person has to come and fit in to make sure that the system that you have in place is actually working out. Because at the end of the day, once you are depending on them or you are depending on people, one way or the other, maybe your dreams might not be the same as theirs. I mean, these days they come in and it's like they want to make it overnight. But it's not easy. You have to start from a point. You get irritated by it. Oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> I think it's, sometimes it's like, well, listen, I have to talk to myself just to take it easy. Do you find a disconnect between you, the founder of the business, who's worked 30 years to get here, and that person, that aggressive young person from the university who has also big dreams and wants to see those dreams realized as soon as possible? Do you find a big disconnect between I, I, I think, the thinking and aspiration? Yes, I think the thinking is actually, we really have to start from somewhere, but at the same time, they need to follow the system that you have. I mean, they have it, you have it in a way that they will come in and say that, well, these days, this is not how to do it. Of course, you need to listen to them. But also, 
you have to realize that, I mean, by listening to them, there are, you have to put the two thinkings together. If there is a system that you have to follow, as my colleague said, yes, of course. You have to follow the system. That's the only way. So, so the, Andy, we have another conflict here. <laughs> I've gone to do operations, operations, management <laughs> at, at University of Ghana or KNUST. Yes. I've learned about systems and how the thing moves from one place <laughs> to another, calculate coefficients and so on. I've come to meet Madam who has experience, even without any formula, she can tell everything because she literally knows how the system works. Now, the conflict is that I come and I believe I'm bringing the latest way of doing things. But I'm thinking, listen, you just came in. We've done this too. We know what we are doing. <laughs> how do you find congruence between the experience of those who have built what is there and the, the excitement of the young who believe that they are bringing new ideas, new concepts to come and revolutionize the business? Is there a midpoint that we can find? Here? Okay. So, uh, you talk about a conflict which is very, very uh, real. And um, in business, we call it the dichotomy between the ownership and agency scenario because ownership will typically be the shareholders or the shareholder who brought this enterprise into being. But then, mind you, uh, to run an effective business, you need to have the proper agencies, the systems and structures. And so, even if um, you believe you have the simplest way to get to that solution. You need to listen to these technocrats from the universities, as you said. You need to listen to your board or directors, you know, uh, independent thinkers and experienced one as that, you know, and actually, um, you know, argue the or, 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 you know, listen to both sides and make sure that we are all able to arrive at the most optimal solution to any scenario. And so um, it is real. It is real. But the way to do it is clearly to put in place those structures. And mind you, when it comes to corporate entities, uh, the board takes overall responsibility, you know, for ensuring that corporate objectives are met. And so you, the shareholder, entrust them with that mandate, you know. And, and But you also make sure that you have the right mix and the right uh, qualified people to be able to advise you and get this business going. And so you may have all these ideas about yourself, but at least it gives you a chance to listen to all sides before you make a decision. And you've mentioned board seven times. I've been counting. Do you think that good boards are the weak link of most businesses in Ghana? Uh, interesting Lack question. Lack of good boards, I mean... Um, well, the, the lack of it or otherwise, that's what I'm trying, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yes, but um, suffice to say that, you know, for an effective board, you need, you know, them to be objective and have, independent. Of, does the average Ghanaian company have a, a thriving, good, functional board? You know, I, I facilitated a session once for SEED, you know, Stanford Enterprise Group. Um, where I dealt with a number of, you know, young, small, medium-sized entities. And, you know, even the whole idea of having board members, they didn't see the essence of it because obviously it comes with a bit of cost and, and also perhaps they are not too sure as to how to manage their inputs into the whole enterprise. But clearly, um, if you put in place the wrong board, then, of course, you are not going to get it. If, if the people that you are bringing... Uh, the people that who will sing to your tune and always tell you what you want to hear, then why put them in in the first place? And I want to even extend this whole 
discussion about succession planning from the business realm into government and public sector as well. You know, it's, it's high time that we also promote competent directors at the board level for our public enterprises. If we are going to make sure that they are also able to serve our needs very well. I'm sure we can extend it to family, we can extend it to church, to political parties. Everywhere. Succession is everywhere, isn't it? Yes, yes. Right. Kate, Your own personal succession. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it is 20 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. Time flies when you are in good company. Kate, you were nodding your head uh, emphatically when you were talking about good boss and bad boss and how a board can sometimes really not get a result. Do you, do you want to comment on that? Well, I would say that it's always interesting to, for you to have a good board in place. Once you have the board that you can actually relate to, you should have understanding. In fact, they are there to put you right, to make sure that whatever you are doing is discussed. It's not easy sometimes. It's not easy. Because you own the company. They come to report to people who no, but will ask you difficult it, questions. It, it, but it makes it interesting. I see some boards. Sometimes you see the, 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 the shareholder, the, 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 the owners of the companies okay. who are themselves shareholders yeah. coming to board meetings like... There, there they come again. <laughs> but it's in your interest. Yeah. It is. It is. Which makes it quite interesting. Right. I'll come back to this discussion. When I come back, we'll talk about commonly made mistakes. You don't want to miss that one. The mistakes that you make very commonly when it comes to the issue of succession planning. And then we'll ask about how the KPMGs, the Unilevers, and those companies that have been there for 100 years, what have they done differently that we can learn from? But let me give you a musical break just so you can cool down. This is heavy stuff, so we need to cool down a bit and, and then prepare ourselves for wrapping up this discussion. My guests for tonight, Andrew Akoto is a partner at KPMG and Kate Kotip, Papa Fuse, the CEO of Reroy Cables. They helped me to understand succession planning both from the perspective of the founding CEO and then from the consultant who's like a doctor repairing the, the, the problems when they create them. I'm going to bring you the song. Which song should I bring them? Nothing. All right, I'm going to bring you the song Guide Me O. I, think, I, I love Methodist scenes, but Koda's rendition of Guide Me O is just special. And, and it's, it comes with a prayer that all, all founding CEOs will get God's guidance. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, to dedicate the song to somebody, and then what, who would you like to dedicate the song to? I would like to dedicate the song actually to my mom. And. I'll say that my dearest husband. Right. I'm sure there are pillars in your life. Wonderful. Oh, you mentioned the names at least. My mom, Madam Comfort. I see. I knew that Comfort was. Yes, indeed. Right. Dr. J.B. Quarty, Papa Phil. Right. So your mom and your your husband. Andy, any dedication? Oh, you're putting me on the spot, Albert. Clearly, I can't miss my uh, senior partner, Nia Manododu, right. KPMG. I can't see the promotion. And my, <laughs> <laughs> my colleague partners at work, yes. Right. Thank you very much, Andy. Okay, so let me play the song, Guide Me Oh. And then when I come back, let's talk about commonly made mistakes. And let's also talk about the future. Don't worry. Guide me oh, that
Like the fact that I cut the pad that says balcony for <laughs> balcony for more. Andy, let me start with you on the commonly made mistakes in succession planning. And as we talk about that, we also zero in on the level three of the the three part line of defense that you mentioned. In choosing people for roles, is you sometimes let me, let me start with you, kids. The, the Bible talks about the fact that. Um, the prophet Samuel entered David's house, the house of Jesse, when he was sent to go and choose a king. And then when Eliab came out, he said, wow, look, very much tall. I mean, this is the guy. I mean, the appearance, and God said, listen, it's not, it's not about appearance. This is something more serious than that. So even a prophet can make a mistake. I mean, and Samuel kept saying, oh, it must be this one. And so finally, a young man came from the, from the back side of the desert, not even looking very very polished, but he was the one who was able to, to to do the business. Is it sometimes the case that as a CEO, you see people and you say, yeah, this is the one, and then it turned out not to be the fullness. Tell me, in I reality. In reality, it's, all, it's always there. It always happens that people come in, especially when we are even doing interviews. Right. You see some of them, they will come in and talk, and it's like, well, I'm going to deliver. When you put them in the seat, it's like, wait a minute, one way or the other. I mean, delivering becomes a problem. But then it shouldn't be. Because once they are coming in with enthusiasm, you are hoping that you, the enthusiasm is going to grow in them, that is going to actually even expand the scope of what you are thinking. But most of the times it's not like that. What is it that bothers you the most? Is it lack of enthusiasm, I lack think, of skill, lack of understanding, some, or, or lack of adaptability? What, 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 what I is think most, most of the times the informal indoctrination is even worse. Because they come in, it's like, instead of them to focus, then they start thinking, they start looking, oh, but here, it's like, well, what is your core business? Why are you here? You have to focus. The reason why you're here, I'm here to add 
this and that value to it. You are not in there to look at the informal. So I think most of the time it's very, very difficult when it comes to actually appointing. So people, people come in and learn bad habits from people who are inside, who we, are not doing the right thing. Who are not doing the right thing. And most of the time it's very difficult. To, I mean, those people are even the people that they are even worse off. We are the ones who are quick to, to share the real history. <laughs> of Andy, yes. the selection dilemma. How, how do we help CEOs choose right? Okay, um, before I address that, I would want us to uh, keep in mind why succession. I mean, the whole essence of the succession is to make sure that you get good, strong people at the top. You know, and leadership is a factor of having ability as well as character. And this I picked up from, uh, you know, the ex-Singaporean uh, Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew. When you read his uh, book, the chapter on passing the baton, the baton, there's a lot, you know, in succession plan that one can glean. And so he came to the realization that if you are going to get someone who is capable or has ability and character, then you cannot leave it to chance. You must, it's a deliberate and a systematic process to make sure that the good ones get to the top because you can put in place all the systems and structures. Somebody can come in who, who may you know, have the ability but has no character and he can work the organization down. You know, so you must make sure that the people who emerge at the top are not only capable but also have character, you know, and have ethics, you know, setting the right tone for the rest of the organization to make sure that the business continues to grow and prosper. You know, so um, the most common mistake that you can make is to leave it to chance. And I'm saying that succession planning starts from the very day that you get your enterprise, you know, booming. Because you must, you must be aware that uh, we are in a kind of a business world or community right now where it's full of risk. There are regulatory risks, there are financial risks, there are um, technology risk. You know, wherever you, you, you turn to, there are risks. That can come and bring your business down. There's competition, you know, there's dumping by foreign multinationals. Okay, so you want to make sure that the people that are able to help you steady the ship, you know, have been deliberately chosen and are capable of moving things along. I'm going to give you a minute each to wrap up um, this, this discussion. And for for you, Andy, I would like you to speak to the issue of of the third yep. line of defense. Yep. And because it, it would seem to me that the issue, of, the point about the board has been well made. Mm. The point about management is the one that most people make. Mm. But the third line of defense, which is the assurance systems, you talk mm. about things like like risk management, compliance, and then internal audit yeah. and controls. Yeah. I want to believe that these are the things that companies like yourself, KPMG, the Unilevers, the Nestle's that have lasted for several decades. This is where their biggest strength seems to come from. You could be right. Right. You could be so right. Tell me how this can be inculcated in the business. Why is this so important, these controls that you mentioned? Okay. So you find out that when it comes to corporate governance, board and management, as I must have said on earlier, are responsible for designing and implementing the systems of control and structures to achieve those objectives of the business. Who, however, checks that those systems and structures are working effectively and efficiently? That's where the third line of defense comes in. 
all right? So you have to make sure that you have a deliberate function focusing on risks to the business and managing those risks to make sure that however the potential outcome or eventuality of a certain contingency, you are ready to deal with that. You're also talking about people in the compliance function who are able to make sure that the systems of control design are actually being adhered to. Because if you just put in place, management is just busy making sure that they are running and turning over, you know, in order to, you know, grow revenue. But who makes sure that those controls are actually working? The internal audits, very, very, very critical. Let me ask a very, 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 <laughs> a very light question. Yes. Andy, when you talk about things like compliance, yes. controls, internal audits, I, I recall that after university, I went to work in one of the big multinationals. Mm. I recall that I, I happened to work briefly with, um, with an elderly um, accountant who was in charge of, of controls. And he used to have a look at this. So you, see, you see, this is all about controls. And it's almost like when it gets to departments like compliance, internal audits, you must have a frown on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's I, not social crowd. They, yeah, they don't, they don't smile. Yeah, I think it's a misnomer. People, you know, traditionally look at them as policemen. But yes. no. Um, they are actually engaged in an activity, like I said, to ensure that those uh, systems of controls are actually working effectively and also they are being improved. So they do not just check to make sure that uh, management is doing what they have to do, but they will also bring different and independent perspective. In fact, the, 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 the real essence of the third line of defense is independence mm. and objectivity. So in the organization, they will have, if you like, some direct access to the board to make sure that management cannot call them Right. And that they are able to also bring out the matters that would ensure and it will be an inure to the overall be, uh, benefit of the business. Right. When I come back to you to wrap up, I'll give you a minute to tell us why people must be at the festival of ideas. But let me mm. end with you, kids. After 30 years of, of, of business, you look back and you say, wow, we've come a long way. And then you look forward and say, but the best is yet to come. What word will you give to people who are starting out there with their ideas who say, it's not easy? What's your closing thought for them in just a minute? I will say that in business, the more you have challenges, the more you actually build up yourself in terms of how you can even add value. And you shouldn't let anything at all in business just put you down. No, you have to be determined and focused and attention to details. So I will say that you always have to start from a point, but make sure that where you are going, you have the hope for the future. Determination, focus, and attention to detail. If I, if I push to choose one, which one will it be? Well, I will say that determination. Determination. Yes. That's your hallmark. Yes. All right. That's the voice you've been listening to. Kate Potipapio, the CEO of Rewrite Cables. Let me end with Andy from KPMG to give me his closing thoughts. Andy. I must first of all commend, you know, the leaders of Legacy and Legacy for even bringing this program program about because i believe you know if any nation is going to thrive you know private enterprises must grow and be sustained you know some of the success stories that we've picked up around the world from countries that have done very well is because they deliberately uh, supported private enterprises with a number of these capacity building 
but also the opportunity to learn and interact. I mean, if you take, for example, building transgenerational entities. entities. I mean, isn't that what we all, we've all suffered from, from this, in this country for such a long time? Right. We want enterprise that will grow and grow beyond the borders of this country. And therefore, our economy will more, be more robust. That is why they have to do that. Thank you so much, Andy. And I want to say a big thank you also to Kate Kotekupafio for joining us for this discussion tonight. We should do this once again another time. So we come your way again next week. My name is Albert Okran, representing Comfort, Matthew, Priscilla, and Amos, and Nana, and saying, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone. An inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 you may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh,